friendly. Okay, so a few thoughts for the new year. Um, and if you've looked at, if you're not looked at your outline, pull it out because you're going to need that as we go through, and you'll see my definition of a few um, that was brought to my attention uh, this morning. Uh, but but it's all right. Um, I was thinking about this being New Year's Eve and how um, people always think about new starts. I'm not real big on New Year's resolutions. I'm not saying don't make them. I'm just not real big on them personally. I just think if something needs to change, change it. You know, what are you horsing around waiting for New Year's Eve for? If you need to change something, change it. But also, I do realize there is, there is a benefit to having a starting date uh, of, you know, when you're going to begin a new whatever it is. You know, I, when I get back into running, you know, there's several times that I have done that in the past, it was always, you know, on this date, I'm going to start, I'm going to start running again. Uh, you know, and it's, so it is good to have a date there, and it is good to have a, a day in place, you know, where uh, you can start some new habits, practices, make some new choices. So it can be good to have a start date um, and New Year's Eve being on a Sunday. How convenient is that, huh, uh, to, to be able to do that for you? But uh, Wednesday, it was Wednesday of this week I sat down. I was kind of, I started out almost running a, a day behind with Christmas being on a Monday, and then uh, so the things I usually did on Monday, I ended up doing on Tuesday. Tuesday's the day I usually do a lot of the studying for the sermon, and I didn't get much done there. And so I began to do it, I, I, well, I picked up again with it on Wednesday, and it just wasn't quite coming together. And so um, I thought, well, it's nice out, I'll go outside and shovel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, at least somebody was paying attention there. Um, and so while I was out there, it was either a brain freeze or something from God to redirected what I was working on. And, and here's where we're at now. So I sat down Wednesday and began reading the book of James. And God started lifting out some guidance for the new year that I want to share with you today, the last day of 2017. And after I was working at, so, you know, today, as you see, it's just a few thoughts uh, for the new year, 16 um, to be ex- to be exact, um, I'm obviously not going to say much about each point. After I was done working on this message, and and actually I was, it was just again one of those uh, things where God pulls things together sometimes. And I, I actually uh, finished. Um, sometimes I'm I'm here pretty late on Thursdays, and I wasn't this week. Um, I you know I, I got out of here about 6:30 in the evening, which. Uh, Chad texted me later in the evening. He said, you pulling an all-nighter? You know, because Thursday is usually the night that those things tend to happen for me. Um, but I thought, well, what did I preach on last year? And last year I looked, and uh, last year I gave you 15 things. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. It's, it's, it's apparently a habit, but I seem to be heading in the wrong direction number-wise um, on this. So let's pray, and we're going to jump into this from the book of James. Father, thank you for your word and your truth, and thank you for your love. <laughs> when I think, you know, when we look and we think 15, 16 things, uh, well, gee, that's a lot. That's nothing compared to your word and what's there. There's so much for us to grasp, and we could do this every week and just list one thing after another after another of your great grace displayed to us. So I, I pray that today as we look and as we think, and we're thinking a little bit more, thinking along the lines a little bit more of how we might be able to uh, better be the people you've called us to be. But, Lord, um, the reality is how can we really grasp a hold more of the grace that you have for us? 
Uh, so use your word and your truth today as we look into it, as we really focus and center around that, that we might find ourselves uh, in your word and in your truth. I pray that you would encourage all of us here, encourage us more to be yours. You did not mean to beat us down with your word, and that's not what I want to happen today. I want us to realize a little bit more the depth of your love for us. So continue to unfold that, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in the book of James, so turn, turn there and, um, and get your outline handy. If you're using a pew Bible, it's page 1,109. All I am going to do today is read through the book of James and pause every once in a while and just share with you. Uh, it just kind of lift out something that, you know, that, that God kind of uh, brought to my attention, uh, you know, for you maybe to consider as we move into 2018. I really think the context of the surrounding verses that come before and after where I pause and tell you, I think they do a much better uh, job, the best commentary of the things we pull out. So let me encourage you uh, something else here. Don't just fill in the blanks because you know what, as we read through this, and uh, God's going to pull some things out for you. Write them down, you know, write them down uh, because, you know, this is about you hearing from God today. I hope it is every Sunday, but, you know, this, it's what it needs to be about you hearing from God. So if God runs your mind differently, you know, in a different direction than he did mine as I was going through this, great. Write it down um, on there. So James chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, says, James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Okay, here's our first pause and the first blank in your outline there. You know that as you go into the new year, regularly ask God for wisdom. You know, regularly ask him for wisdom. Uh, too often we overlook this point and, and, you know, we try our own ideas first and sometimes second and sometimes third, as we, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, the, 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 when it says if any of you lacks wisdom, it does not mean if any of you lack ideas. It doesn't mean if any of you lack opinions. We don't. We don't lack ideas. We don't lack opinions. It doesn't say if, if, if some of you, you know, if, if, you, if you don't have any thought here, that isn't what it says. It says if you lack wisdom, you know, if any of you lack wisdom. We all have opinions. We all have ideas. Here's the point. Ask God for wisdom. You know, ask him for wisdom regularly. Don't let it get by. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For their doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, but the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like the flower of the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and dries up the grass. Its flowers fall off and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. A man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, 
For God is not tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my, dear, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. In his own choice, he gave us new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak. And we're going to pause there in the middle of a verse. Because here's, you know, listen more than you share your own thoughts. Too often we quit listening because we think of something we want to say. And then when we think of something we want to say, we don't listen anymore. We are simply waiting for a pause so that we can share our thoughts. Listen more. And it says, everyone must be quick to hear. Quick to hear. And he says, slow to speak. We usually get that flipped around. We're quick to speak, slow to hear. Have you ever found yourself speaking and then as you're saying it, you find yourself thinking, that's not really what I believe. I hear it coming out of my mouth, but that's not it. Listen more. Listen more than sharing your own thoughts. He says, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. And here's another thought for you. You know, decide to get angry less. And, and that's worded correctly. Decide to get angry less. You choose to get angry. You choose how you are going to respond to any and every situation that comes along. Anger is a choice. You say, no, it's not. You make me mad when you say that. <laughs> now, anger, anger is, 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 it is definitely a choice. Did you notice that if, I, if you think about it, we too often get angry about small temporary problems. You know, like heavy traffic and the driver who feels the need to go, 15 mi- five, go need, need, five miles under the speed limit for some odd reason. Or the line at the store being longer than we want it to. It was very interesting to me because yesterday uh, you know, um, the, well, the alarm went off at church. It turns out it was Scott opening the door and stuff. So anyway, Kent came over, I came over, and... Uh, and Kelvin texted. That was probably the better choice. But anyway, um, you know, so I, we came over here, and then Jenny said, "Well, I'll ride with you." So we, you know, she rode over here with me, and you know, just talked to Scott and Dave a little while, and then we left, and we went, we went up to uh, Starbucks. Jenny gets uh, gift certificates and doesn't drink coffee, and I do, um, and uh, you know, but, but uh, so we went up there to get some hot chocolate, and as we the line for the drive-through was like crazy. I said, let's go inside. So we parked. We went inside. There's no line inside. Worked out well. I came out. Now the line had gotten past my car where I had parked. But there was a space there where I could back out in between these two cars. So I put it in reverse. And as soon as I did, somebody honked at me, pulled up right behind me. You know, just got in line and
I was irritated. You know, uh, they weren't going anywhere. They were just sitting there. You know, where I had enough room to back out. And, and, uh, and I looked at Ginny and um, I said, I'm really tempted, you know, to go out there and say something like, back up! Um, but I didn't. I said, because, you know, then the next morning I could greet him in the church and say, welcome, I'm glad you're here. Did you learn how to drive yet? Uh, <laughs> but you see, here's the, we're, we're going to make, I found it, I found it humorous, you know. I'm, I, I worked on the sermon, I put this thing in there, and then, and then God blocks me in this, part, well, God blocked me in the parking place or this ignorant woman who didn't want to do it. Anyway, uh, you know, but, you know, but we make a choice. You know, and we get angry when, when, you know, when our way or our desires, our expectations is violated. You know, like she didn't load the dishwasher. She loaded the dishwasher wrong, which really meant that she didn't load it how I think it should have been loaded. I, isn't, that, isn't that what it means? Or our friend arrives 10 minutes later than we had agreed to meet. Uh, in any situation, we have a choice as to how we will respond. Choose anger less. You know, choose it less. Verse 21. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Here's your next one. Choose to live God's word more, more often and in more places. You know, choose to live it more. We already know more of what God says than we are currently living. So I'm not trying to frustrate you more. All I'm, all I'm telling you to, you know, to do is begin living more of what you already know. Just begin living out some of those things more often and in more places. Verse 23. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but who does good works, this person will be blessed by what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God our Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Now, here's a thought for you. Actually help others regularly. You know, this, particularly those who can't make it on their own. When he's talking here about widows and orphans in distress, those in their society in particular, there were no government uh, programs to step in and help. There were no, you know, so begin, you know, helping people, you know, those that, you know, that, that, particularly those who can't make it on their own. Now, the verse to me, these verses indicate a knowledge of the person's situation, not simply giving money, you know, to one of the panhandlers on the corner. Now, you know, certainly I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but I, I think, you know, you can wi- more wisely use those funds in, in with people that you actually know their situation and you actually know some of the problems. You see, the problem is sometimes we, we, we might give money to a panhandler we see on the corner and totally ignore the needs of, of people that we actually know that need help. Help them, you know, actually help them. Don't just think about it. Don't just talk about it. Actually do something and help them. Chapter 2 there. 
My brothers, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For example, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor man dressed in dirty clothes also comes in. If you look with favor on the man wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor man, stand over there or sit on the floor by my footstool, haven't you discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you dishonor that poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Don't they blaspheme the noble name by that, what, that was pronounced over you at your baptism? Indeed, if you keep the royal law prescribed in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. Here's a thought from there. Treat everyone with the respect that you want to be treated with. Don't, don't treat them as their actions deserve. Treat them with the respect that you want to be treated with. Remember, God does not treat us with, with, you know, with the actions that our sins deserve. God treats us with love and grace and forgiveness. This is how he treats us. Go out of your way to act with love. That's putting the other person first. That's putting them first. You know, go out of your way to do that. Respond to others with grace. Respond to them with grace. Forgive often. Forgive completely. When Peter came up to Jesus and he said, how many times must I forgive my brother? You know, seven times? And Peter thought he was being generous, that he was being, you know, that he was going way beyond what was expected. He said seven times, and what did Jesus say? No, not seven times, 70 times seven. Now, he didn't mean that you forgive him 490 times. Because I think if you are keeping track and you say, I forgave him 400 and 489 already, there's only one more, and then I'm going to let him have it, uh, you really haven't forgiven him. I think what it means is that you forgive him as often as you need to. And it doesn't mean necessarily even that they offended you again and again. It could be that they just offended you once and you can't seem to forget it. And it comes roaring and screaming back to the front of your mind every once in a while. And what do you need to do? Forgive them. You need to forgive them again. It could be that, you know, you're just in the same situation stuff and and anger wells up, not because they've done anything, but you need to forgive them again. You know, you, you need to treat them with the respect that you want to be treated with. Verse 9 of chapter 2 there. But if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Whoever keeps the entire law yet fails in one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you are a lawbreaker. Now here's a thought. Stop ignoring small sins. This morning, as I was going through this, I thought it better, you know, to just write that, you know, stop excusing sin. That's what we need to do. Stop excusing sin. Realize there is no such thing as a small sin. You know, that all sin is against God. It's all against Him and who He is and His character and His being and His love and His grace for us. You know, there is no such thing as a little white lie, they are all black. There is no such thing. Well, that's because we talk about black and white as being 
I should probably be careful with that huh? as being good and evil, you know, but there is no such thing as this little white lie that, you know, something that that's okay. There is no such thing as a little bit of sin being acceptable. There is no excuse. There is no reason for sin of any kind. You know, he tells us if you break one part of law, go start reading the, the word. It says if you break one, you're, you know, you're a lawbreaker. Verse 12, speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who hasn't shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you don't give him what his body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith from my works. So here's your thought. Obviously live the faith you claim to have. Don't hide your relationship with Christ. Live your relationship with Christ. Don't simply talk godly attitudes. Live with godly actions. It's those actions, he says, that show what is on the inside. This morning in our Sunday school class, uh, Dean was taking us through uh, where uh, a teacher of the law comes and says, Jesus, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus says, and here it is, you know, your paraphrase, dude, just, you know, you know, what, what do you, what do you understand? And he says, the law to be, he says, hey, I love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. That was the reply. And Jesus says, you know, and he tells us this parable about the good Samaritan where the, the teacher, where the priest and the Levite come by and they see this guy that was beat up and robbed and, and was left there and they walked around, you know, and they walked around. And, and here comes the Samaritan, people nobody liked, nobody trusted, and he's the one who went over and he helped him. He says, which guy was the neighbor? He says, well, I suppose, I suppose the one who helped him. You know, I suppose the one who helped him. Jesus said, you know, you need to go and do likewise because in that time, that's, you know, we talked in Sunday school class, that's one of those nobody sees me moments and in that those moments where nobody nobody saw what was going on you see the priest and the levite walked around and uh, and the samaritan came because what because what was in him was lived out obviously live out the faith you claim to have verse 19 you believe that god is one you do well the demons also believe and they shudder foolish man are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by his works faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who also is able to control his whole body. Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. 
So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it, and with it we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Here's your thought. Clean up your speech. Clean up your speech. Now, certainly, if you're swearing, you should stop. That was one of my battles when I came, when I came into a relationship with Christ. Um, uh, curse words were just descriptive adjectives for me, and that's just how we used them, you know, and, and at work and outside of work and everything else. And that was just, that was, that was just how I talked. And that was one of my battles. And if that's a, a battle for you, you know, if you're swearing, you need to stop. But let me tell you, it needs to go on further than that, you know, because, you know, gossip and derogatory comments, those also need to stop. Clean up your speech. And also realize that your mother was right. It's not always what you say, but how you say it. You know, don't talk down to people. Don't try to put someone in their place. Clean up your speech. Verse 11 of chapter 3. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. Who is wise and has understanding among you, he should show it by his works, by good conduct, with wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down, does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your evil desires. Well, you knew this one was probably going to be in there somewhere. Pray more. Pray more. More often and more broadly. You know, don't, don't simply tell. We become liars real easily. Somebody tells you something that's going on, and what do you say? Well, I'll, I'll pray for you. Do you ever pray for him? Do you ever pray for him, or does it just slip your mind? Well, we don't, you know, we don't mean to lie, but we do. When somebody, you know, I, what I prefer to do, you know, when somebody tells me something, I, I don't say, you know, necess- I, I don't always say I'll pray for him. What I usually say is, let's pray. And we pray. And we pray right now. And we pray right there. 
You know, pray more. You know, pray more often, pray more broadly than you do now. Actually stop, pray for them at the moment. Chapter 4, verse 4. Adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Or do you think it is without reason that the scriptures say that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. Here's the thought. Put in the necessary actions to draw close to God. If you're going to draw close to God, that will take time in prayer. If you're going to draw close to him, that will take time in the Bible. If you're going to draw close to him, it's going to take time serving in ministry. That's why he has given you at least one spiritual gift. Because he wants you to use those to serve. He wants you to, you know, he wants you to, to know what it is you know, to experience that, that inner working of the body, that leading of the spirit. And he wants you to know that. And those things take time. You can't make time. You can't. You are not capable of making time. You have to take the time. That means you have to take it from something else. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, see, you, know, you can think that one through yourself. You know, uh, we need to take the time. That means I, that means that I, I I do something else less so that I can do these things more. That's one of the reasons that it, for me it it works much better. For me to sit down and read the Bible in the morning, first thing in the morning, that's what I do. I get up, okay, I go to the bathroom, I, and then I and then I sit down and I read. Because if I, I what I have found is if I don't do it, then you see, then the day gets rolling and things get going, and I start thinking about what I have to do, and I think about where I have to be, and I start getting busy with this, and I start getting busy with that, and before you know it, I haven't I haven't done it. So I have to take that time right at the very beginning of the day. And then sometimes I'm rushing around afterwards, you know, but, but you know, I'm not going to rush that. I just, I just don't. And I found if I put it later in the day, I end up rushing that. And what I do is I, I open the Bible and I read, you know, well, I got to read this and it's a, it's a chore and it's a checkmark thing. And it's, I got to do this, you know, we have to take, you have to take that time. If you're going to draw close to God, you know, then you have to take that time. You know, you don't, you don't draw close through a nod and a wave. You know, hi God, hi God, how you doing God? You know, you know, that's not how you draw close. Think of husband and wife, how do they draw close? By spending time together, interacting with each other, talking with each other, getting to know each other's heart. You're going to get to know God's heart as you spend time in prayer. You're going to get to know God's heart as you spend time in his word. Put in the necessary actions to draw close to God. Verse 9. Chapter 4, verse 9. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Your laughter must change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers. He who criticizes a brother or judges his brother criticizes the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So here's a thought for you. Criticize less people and criticize less often. 
I would tell you work to stop criticizing altogether. You know, this includes criticizing people in the privacy of your car, in the privacy of your own home. We're talking about the character that God wants to develop within us. It's an outlook and an attitude change that needs to happen. Not easy, but necessary. Verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow tomorrow we will travel. These are the verses actually that pulled me into James, these verses right here. You know, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like smoke that appears for a little while then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, he will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And here's the thought. Bring all your plans before God. Bring all your plans before God. Well, you say, all my plans? No, here's, the, here, here's, how you, here's how you do it. Only bring the plans before God that you want God to bless. You don't have to bring all your plans. Just bring all the plans before God that you want God to bless. And then if you have some that you don't want God to bless, my suggestion is you leave them behind. That you leave them behind. And all, and all, you, pursue, all you pursue then are his plans you know, and his lead. Now, with the, you know, in saying this, let me remind you, God is for you. He is not against you. God is not out to make you miserable. God is not out to force you to do something you don't want to do. He may lead you into some areas and some places where you're a little uncomfortable, a little unsure. And as he does that, I think you will find that, you know, you will find greater joy in some of those places than you knew existed and that your fear and your unsettledness were really not, not well-founded at all. But he is not out to make you miserable. Verse 17, chapter 4, verse 17. So it is a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. Write your own application there. Chapter 5. Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth is ruined and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your silver and gold are corroded and and the corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You stored up treasure in the last days. Look. The pay you withheld from the workers who reaped your field cries out, and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived in luxury on the land and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous man, and he does not resist you. Therefore, brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Make a sincere effort to complain less. A sincere effort. Put some effort into complaining less. What you say, everything you say comes across as either positive or negative. You know, what it is that you say about people, what it is you say about the weather, 
what it is you say about your job, what you say about your day. It all comes across to people as positive or negative. Here's a scary, here's a scary thing for you to try. Go to some people who love you, care about you, and know you, and will be honest enough with you to answer this question. Ask them, am I a complainer? Some of us don't want to ask that question because we already know the answer. We already know the answer. I decided long ago, I didn't want my conversations with Ginny only to be me complaining. I need to spread that out more, you know, and I need to apply that more, but complain less. Make that sincere effort to complain less. Verse 10. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome from the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Now, above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Your yes must be yes and your no must be no so that you will not fall under judgment. So here you go. Determine that you will keep your word. <coughs> Determine you will keep your word. Some of us, some, some of us are overcommitters, and overcommitters have a real problem here. We have a real problem here because we commit to more things than we can do. You know, and, and you know, determine that you will keep your. It is not always easy. It is not always fun. It is not always convenient. But it is always important to keep your word. Verse thirteen. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they should pray over him, and after anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of, the, of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will restore him to health. If, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effects. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain for three years and and six months, and it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruits. My brothers, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his life from death and cover a multitude of sins. There's the end of the book. Here's your last thought. Intentionally. Help someone be restored to God. Now when you're doing that, you don't minimize the reality of their sin. You help them see sin for what it is. It is sin against God. But also, you don't beat them up. You work to restore them, and you work to restore them gently. Now, there you have 16 thoughts. You know, look at them, you know, and they give you some guidance as you move into a new year. Now, let me, let me suggest something for you here. You know, don't be overwhelmed by them. Choose 12 of them. Choose 12 and decide you're going to work on one a month. You're going to focus on one a month. You can be aware of all of them and try to work on all of them, you know, but just decide, you know, pick 12 of them and say, this month I'm really going to put an effort in on this one. 
and write the month right next to it. You know, put a date on them. Just like, you know, this is New Year's Eve and we're moving it, you know, and it's the new year. Put a date on them. I didn't lay these things out here for, you know, to discourage you. I hope, but, you know, it's my intention to encourage you, to encourage you to be intentional, to be intentional in your relationship with God in the coming year. Let's pray.